Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio, <laughs> uh, two weeks later. <laughs> Folks, thank you for being patient. It is uh, Today is the 13th of May, 2023, here with my brother Rich, and we're, we're so thankful that you guys were patient with us. We really had every intention of recording last Saturday, then uh, or last weekend, unfortunately, Rich's days and my days could not match up, so we pushed it to Monday, and then that went belly up, so... <laughs> We apologize so much for missing last week. We've really tried to be more consistent than that. Uh, but we are so grateful that you guys are still here, still listening, still uh, continuing to you know, be part of the program, to to contact us, let us know what you're thinking, and to share it with others. You guys have been so wonderful, so patient, and so kind. We're so grateful for that. Uh, to that end, there is one particular, before we even get started on anything else, there's one particular friend of the program Debbie Lynn, we just want to let you know we love you very much, and we are so grateful for you, and we are praying for you, and uh, we're praying God comfort you during this time of trial. And folks, we're going to ask you to play, pray for Debbie Lynn Kespert. She is a wonderful sister, and uh, she recently posted online that her husband has uh, entered into eternity. He is now with uh, his his Lord and Savior, and uh, we are so very grateful for him to be with his savior and to not be enduring any of the difficulties and trials of this life but we mourn for our dear sister uh, she is just such a wonderful kind loving soul and she has been such a friend to our program from the almost from the day one and uh, we just want to let you, let you all know that please pray for her please uh, just you know if you if you have contact with her on social media Please reach out to her and just let her know that you're praying for her and that you love her because that's what certainly what we've been trying to do. And uh, she is just, she's been a blessing to us and we want the body of Christ to be a blessing to her. So if you if you know her, if you know how to reach her on social media, please reach out to her and uh, let her know you're, you're praying for her and her uh, through, through this time. So uh, that we just want to do that right up the right up front. We just love, Debbie, we love you so much. Thank you uh, for being such a kind friend to this program. So with that said, we're again we're we're grateful that you guys are taking the time to tune in and listen, um, especially at a time when uh, social media has really been so chaotic. And uh, there's just it's one of the things we're actually going to talk about tonight is is how we deal with differences. And so uh, we're grateful that some of you guys continue to to talk to us about how this program ministers to you, how it's been helpful, and. Uh, I, I, Rich, I don't particularly get it, but they, they actually talk to us as they talk about us being as some of the more reasonable voices on the internet. I, I, that one escapes me, but, <laughs> but we are so grateful for that. And we will continue to do it as long as the Lord allows. And, uh, we just want to continue to serve you and serve the, uh, the Lord as much as we're able. Uh, reminder that we are part of the Christian podcast community. Certainly want you guys to check all the amazing programs out on that, uh, on that particular, uh, group of podcasters. This is what happens when we're gone for two weeks. My wor my words don't want to work. Uh, so encourage you to go check that out. Encourage you to subscribe to slavetothekeng.com. That's our website where everything we do is updated. I'm going to try and I, I did a little short, um, a little short post the other day. I, I might try to do that more just to put some more content on there so we can continue to reach you in other ways. And uh, we'd love to, you know, have you subscribe to that. And from time to time, we might 
try to, you know, maybe we should do Rich is, is start putting uh, other podcasts that we appreciate on there because I think it's really easy. One of the things I, and I don't mean this as, as a slam at anybody. Um, one of the things that I, we've always tried to do with this program is talk about programs that we appreciate and it, it's not something I think most programs do. It's not that we never do it, but it's you get focused on trying to, to do the work that you're trying to do. And one of, we, we've we always been the type of people that go, we're, we're going to share what we think is beneficial, even if it means we lose listeners. So um, I am going to encourage you. To, it, it, Hannah's going to kill me. Um, you might want to check out a program called Patriarchy Country. This is new. It's only had about two episodes, well, two and a half episodes, because her first intro is about five minutes long. And uh, Hannah on um, Patriarchy Hannah on Twitter has been taking to recording conversations between her and other Christian women, like Christian moms and stuff, and just talking about how they're de- how they do certain things and how they their lives line up with scripture as they try to be submissive to their husbands, how, how they raise their families, where they've come from. I mean, the one with Potluck Lauren, uh, who, who was someone who had, as she puts it, her, dipped her toe in, in the uh, realm of wokeness and then came out of that is now this reformed, uh, you know, Baptist, you know, uh, you know, wife's in submission to her husband. It's a, such a, it's a, such a wonderful program. And ladies, I would encourage you to check it out. Um, because it's, it's like what we try to do. I think it's very conversational. And so I'd, I'd love to encourage you to check that out. Another one that, <laughs> this might get me in trouble. Most of you already heard about it is this Haunted Cosmos podcast. Um, it's really interesting. They take a lot of the, what most of us refer to as urban legends, things like, uh, um, uh, Bigfoot or sea monsters or Mothman, you know, if you, if you know anything about that. And they actually talk about it from a a spiritual perspective, because while so many of these incidents, of course, are, you know, maybe rednecks in the woods with a little too much to drink that night. Some of these are, these are people that report things that don't have any reason to say what they say. And certainly something seems to have happened. And they, they address it from a spiritual perspective because we actually live in a world that has spiritual battles going on around us all the time. So it's entertaining in one respect because it's like kind of those, ooh, wow, that's a, that mystery stuff, you know, unsolved mysteries kind of stories, but biblically addressed. And so I wanted to put those two out there, but meaning need to talk about those two. Um, so I wanted to put those out there up front. So with all that said, I'm grateful to have my brother back with us this week. Rich, how you doing, brother? What do you mean by that? Are you insinuating there's something wrong with me? <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. <laughs> you you started the transition early. You know that, right? <laughs> You're imposing your health and wellness on me. What if I don't want to be health and healthy and, and wealthy and wise? And what if I just want to live in stupidity and pain and sorrow? <laughs> How dare you impose your will on me? Uh, you know, Rich, if I didn't know what you were doing, I would accuse you of just suddenly become a, you know, a, a, a leftist woke nut. Because <laughs> that's about how they sound. <laughs> but very, that's, that's, that's perfect for tonight, brother. You might want to explain what you're doing, though. <laughs> well, we, we had a recommendation or, or a request, I should say, from a listener 
for tonight's topic, and basically it's how should Christians argue, debate, and interact with one another when, when we disagree on a particular topic. Um, that was kind of an extreme reply to Chris, and <laughs> for the record, I'm better than I deserve. But Amen. that's the reaction we see so often on social media, and sadly, sometimes in real life, we ask a very innocent question, yeah. and someone takes it the wrong way and goes to the extreme, I mean, just at the drop of a hat. Indeed. And that was kind of my way of, of <laughs> that was great. surprising and blindsiding Chris there for a little bit. <laughs> But um, that was a, a topic request that was sent in by a listener that suggested and asked that Chris and I discuss how, as Christians, how should we disagree? How should we handle arguments online and in real life? Um, and I'll just come right out to shoot and say right out of the get-go, how should Christians disagree and argue? How should we debate and disagree? Well, the first key component of that is the, for first the first thing we must determine is if we're the person we're interacting with the person that we're talking to we need to determine if they actually are a christian because if they're not a christian that in itself should direct and guide our conversation and our way of thinking because first the bible states that those outside of Christ cannot understand the spiritual things of Christ because they are spiritually discerned, meaning they don't know, they can't comprehend. We need to remember throughout the New Testament, Christ and Paul talks about the Holy Spirit opening our hearts, opening our minds, and allowing us to understand. So right off the get-go, we need to determine whether we're actually dealing with a brother or sister in Christ, because if they are outside of Christ, we could talk straight nonstop for a week, but unless Christ opens their heart and minds and allows them to understand, understand things of a spiritual nature, they never will understand. And one of the things also beyond determining whether we're actually dealing with a biblical, a Christian who believes in the biblical gospel, we must ascertain whether we're dealing with maybe a babe in Christ or maybe someone that's just weaken the faith because the you know we all know the found that find found ugh, i cannot talk tonight my tongue is <laughs> asleep and i guess because like chris said we haven't done this in a couple of weeks my, my my mouth and my tongue and my brain and and everything else is not in cooperation so i apologize <laughs> i guess that'll give andrew another blooper reel for my <laughs> getting tongue tied but anyway you know we know the foundational beliefs of the, of the bible and Chris and I discussed that on a episode earlier about the statement of about statements of faith. But beyond the foundational beliefs that so many claim to hold to, what we really need to be examining is what gospel, what which Christ are they following, mm -hmm. which one are they making their profession in. And one of the simplest things that you can do is and this is going to make people upset, but I'm so sorry. If you disagree with me, you're disagreeing with the Bible, because I'm just paraphrasing what the Bible says. If you hold to some form of works righteousness, if you're holding to some form of works in order to gain salvation, to keep salvation, to keep from losing your salvation, you're holding to a false gospel. So yep. that, that is one of the, that is 
Gospel Presentation 101, Biblical <laughs> Gospel 101. If they're holding to a works righteousness, some form of works, they are not believing in and holding to the gospel as listed and outlined and proclaimed in the Word of God itself. So, with that being said, and if you are interacting with someone and you learn that this person professes to be a Christian, and then you figure out, okay, they're holding to some form of works righteousness, what should be your next step? Should you try to win the argument that you've entered into? Should you try to get them to see your point of view? Should you try to win them to your way of thinking? Or should your primary concern and goal be proclaim the biblical gospel to this individual so maybe Christ will actually grant that person salvation? That should be your first thought. That should be your first concern, no matter what it started out. You need to exercise enough self-control and restraint and stop and realize, okay, I'm dealing with someone that is professing a false gospel. What is more important, proclaiming the true biblical gospel to this person or trying to win them to my point of view? What do you think, Chris? I think, what, like you said, if you're not dealing with someone who is, you know, is an actual Christian, it's got to be, first and foremost, if, if it's got to be the gospel itself and, and being concerned about their salvation because who cares if you win this, the, the theological argument? If this person is not in Christ... So what you corrected their theology? Great. It's kind of like that thing of building a house for a person who isn't a Christian but lives on the streets. You built him a house, but you never proclaimed the gospel to him. Well, great. He's got a comfortable place to live until he dies and goes to hell. So you may correct a person's theological view on something, but if they're not in Christ and they still hold to other theological problems, and they, which is they don't understand the gospel and they don't uh, they they haven't repented with their faith in Christ. Okay, you you made them more intelligent. In, in the uh, in the realm of the gospel or in the realm of theology, but their soul is still in peril. So I think that's the most important thing. Um, then, of course, if we are dealing with Christian brethren, then the question becomes, how do we deal with those theological issues? But obviously, first and foremost, it's got to be it's got to be that uh, you know is is this person genuinely a brother? By the way. <laughs> This isn't free reign to go, oh, well, you hold to that theological uh, 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 position. That must mean you're unsaved. Ugh, please stop doing that, guys. Okay, really? If this is a brother and sister in Christ and you know them, treat them as a brother and sister in Christ. If you're talking about somebody you've never met and they hold to an errant theological view, first and foremost, let's maybe get to, to, to a place where we can somewhat determine whether they are in Christ don't just assume, oh, that person is an Arminian, therefore they're not saved. Yes, some of us Calvinists have said that. Of course, some of some of uh, you Arminians do the same thing, so knock it off. <laughs> but, um, I, I just want to put I, that I, out I there. To, <laughs> and I'm glad you did. I want to clarify for a moment. Um, there are several degrees of Arminianism. And brief moment of history here, Calvin, the five points of Calvinism, were presented to counteract the five points of Arminianism. The five points of Arminianism were presented first. Um, while most within American evangelicalism would understand works-based salvation, works righteousness, knowing that I meant Roman Catholics, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, these false religions. When you get into some very 
fine-tuned specifics when it comes to salvation. There is a difference between brothers and sisters in Christ who hold to some form of easy believism versus those that hold to works righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say this because based on my own, my own study and reading, it is obviously beyond clear that Paul fought against works righteousness. He fought against being able to earn your salvation. He fought against some things that are some aspects of Arminian theology. Mm. Now, I know a lot of people that were that I would consider brothers and sisters in Christ that perhaps started out holding to some form of Arminian theology, but as they grew and matured and studied, they realized that this was in error. So yeah. I agree with you, and I kind of disagree at the same time, and I know that's rather confusing, <laughs> but but there's a huge difference between what some people consider Arminianism, which really equates more to a form of easy believism. And by and for the record, um, Wesley did not hold to the full blown five points of Arminianism. He did not hold to Roman Catholic worth works righteousness wesley john wesley held to kind of a mid-ground between what we would consider calvinism and arminianism um which would have been kind of a precursor to today's somewhat easy believism but there there there's still there's a difference between the basic tenets of arminianism that put a strong emphasis on free will whereas Calvinists put a strong emphasis on the sovereignty of God. Those two truths can be rectified within the Word of God. Just because we don't understand it while we're walking on earth does not mean that it's untrue. So, um, and and I've probably done nothing but just really confuse people, (laughs) but but there is a very, very strong distinction between full-blown works righteousness, full-blown, I've got to work to keep my salvation, and full-blown, I can lose my salvation. Yeah. Um, and, and it takes some discernment. It takes some discernment, like I said, on our part, and, and to know the person and, and go to in-depth. That's one reason that Twitter is such a poor venue for trying to discuss things with other individuals who profess to be a Christian, because it's a anonymous account, some name that you see that you will never meet in person. And they spew out, you know, two or three posts. And then we tried to figure out their entire theological belief system based on that. Yeah. Um, there are some areas of theology that we cannot bend on. We cannot disagree on that. If you hold to that, you know, you are holding to a false gospel. But there are issues that some individuals will make into what you would think would be a theological debate where there are non-issues, meaning that it really doesn't affect someone's view of salvation at all. Um, sadly, I've seen more arguments over silly things like coffee and pineapple pizza than have anything else. But, <laughs> you know, we, that is something we can agree to disagree on. A lot of stuff... A lot of the issues in Scripture, we can't agree to disagree because then you're saying that, you know, I can agree with your disagreement that God is not 
who he says he is. Right. And it can get very deep and very complicated. We're not going that deep and complicated tonight. No. Even though at this point I've probably completely confused <laughs> everyone. But anywho, um, go, go on with where you were at, brother. No worries. Yeah, no, th- that's the thing is, I mean, there are some, we're not talking about, you know, um, those core doctrines of the faith where someone comes along in a conversation and throws um th- you know throws this ice cold water of well you 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 are a heretic because you worship the tree you know you you believe in three gods and there's not three gods he only manifests we're not talking about that you know <laughs> we're talking about well, oh go ahead what about what about the individual the other day i posted from acts 2 where oh. peter proclaimed that this jesus god has made both lord and christ and i got accused of holding to I was called a heretic because I was holding to Lordship salvation, and all I did was quote a verse out of Scripture. So, I mean, is that, that, that not a good example of what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that, that, that's a Paul Washer moment. That's I disagree with your per- interpretation. I didn't interpret it. I read it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, we're not talking about those conversations. Um, I will say uh, there are some conversations that are extremely important. There's one that uh, I've had to mute certain words on my social media. <laughs> Because I do not want to be drug into these arguments anymore. I've made a few comments, and I'm realizing, yeah, we're we're, we're killing each other out there over this issue. And so I'm, I've I've muted certain things, but there are there are extremely important conversations that we need to have, and we're going to have to wrangle through. And it's uh, you know it's it's doxology, it's 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 uh, it's doctrine, it's the you know uh, you know all the things that come out of uh, the practice. Our orthodoxy, our orthopraxy, all of those things, extremely important. But we're going to land in certain areas in which we differ, yet, and we've talked about this on the program before, so we're not going to get into what's a core doctrine, what are those concentric you know, circles of important doctrines as we go further out, that they're not unimportant, they are important, but you know, de- depending on how, uh, what you're talking about, we can have differences. So we're assuming for the nature of this discussion that we're talking about theological issues that are important, but we're going to have disagreements on how it, you know, how it plays out, how it's fleshed out and what we believe. And so right, let me ask, go ahead. Let me ask, let me ask you a question. Are, are, for our episode tonight, does it apply to just theological issues or to anything in general? I think it, it could, this can be anything in general, but since um, since the brother who asked about this seemed to really kind of be addressing it from a theological perspective, that's where I was kind of going with it. Um, okay. And, and so this is because it seems like this can really be applicable to just about any level, but it seems like the things where we're having the, the biggest discussions among it's it was David from New Jersey on Twitter by the way um we you can thank him for this discussion he he said he uh, you know his vote for a topic was how to have an agreeable disagreement among believers both in private and in public so i, I mean since this is a you know a, a discussion between believers especially in light of recent events i think theologically is what we're what we're leaning on but you can apply this really in any discussion Anytime we're talking about things, look, if you're addressing a brother who's in sin, we don't agree, we don't disagree agreeably. We we have to address an issue of sin. When we're talking about areas of discussion that uh, 
maybe it's theological, maybe it's uh, you know the color of the carpet in the church, whatever it is, we're having a discussion on areas where we want to persuade one another about, about the rightness of our position and, and, the, and the deficiencies of someone else's. We've got to do this in such a way that we are still reflecting the love of Christ to one another. You know, there are a couple of passages to, that to me kind of stand out on this. And um, I just lost my, my verse. I'm sorry. Uh, first one is in Colossians chapter 3, because that's where I've been spending a ton of time lately. And it starts in verse 12. He says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Now, that's an issue of forgiveness. That's not particularly what we're talking about. But that that mindset of humility, meekness, and patience should be in everything that we're doing. This is just one aspect of it. But he continues in verse 14, And above all, put uh, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ will dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so that first, that first step in this is starting with, these are brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, so we've, we've kind of started with, Am I dealing with a brother in Christ? Well, okay, so now we are dealing with a brother or sister in Christ. What is the first thing we're supposed to do? We're to put on compassionate hearts that are full of kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We're bearing with one another. So when we're dealing with these differences between brothers and sisters in Christ, we start from a place of humility. We start from a place of love. And love is not an ushy-gushy um, you know, oh, I, I love them, so I won't ever take a position and, and make them feel bad. No, we're going to take positions. If you're dealing with someone where admonishment comes into play, education comes into play, you're doing it from the scriptures from that position. Why? Because you want to have fellowship with these brothers and sisters. You want to build them up and encourage them. And you should want that from your from them as well. We have a habit, and, and Rich, you and I have seen this, especially on social media, where we don't start from that position. We start from the position of theology is the most important thing, so therefore, boom, I'm going to blast you because you're wrong. And rather than starting from the position of this, these are people like myself who have been purchased by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, who, like myself, don't know everything, and are still learning and growing in the Word. And now we're going to talk about certain issues, be it theological, uh, be it you know practical, be it um, preferential issues. And we have to start from that position that we are going to be loving toward this person because that is my brother or sister in Christ. This is not somebody whom I need to declare victory over. This isn't some group of people that I need to conquer. 
This is people that I am going to spend eternity with. It's one of the things I love that James White has said on his program so many times. We are going to be spending eternity with one another, okay? You're going to spend eternity with the very people that you're having these debates with. You're going to... Hey, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say this is probably a good time to point out something that Pastor Gabe Hughes posted today, and I think it has great application in this discussion, especially at the point where we're at right now. He stated, self-control is perhaps the least talked about fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 mm -hmm. through 23, some suggestions. Lead your emotions. Don't be led by yes, your emotions. Yes, absolutely. Rule rule your flesh don't be ruled by your flesh capture your thoughts don't be captured by your thoughts and i think that is one area that we do not see people ex that we don't see people exercising that fruit of the spirit when it comes to some of these discussions some of these debates and some of these arguments you don't see any self-control on yes. the individual's part all they want to do is unleash the hammer and smack down the opponent trying to win some type of debate or, or you know, apologetic-type discourse. And for them, it's more important just to win that debate or to appear as to have won that debate. That's the most important thing to them. They don't respond and interact with the other person to learn or to, to understand or to try to actually have a real conversation they're just engaging with nothing, no other goal other than to win someone to their way of thinking or, or to win that argument. But one thing we need to ask ourselves if we go into some type of discussion, argument, debate, whatever you want to call it, we need to stop exercise. We need to stop ourselves. We need to exercise some form of self-control and go in to the discourse and ask and ask ourselves, what is my goal? What do I hope to accomplish by engaging in this conversation? Do I just want to set out to win and, and try to make this other person look like a complete idiot? Or am I trying to convey something specific that I really think they need to know and understand? And beyond that, we need to stop and examine the way that we are conducting ourselves within the within the discussion and people do not know how to talk nowadays sadly no. and i don't know of a simpler way to put it when when you and i talk to each other i say something you listen to what i've said and you respond mm -hmm. based on what i've said even if you have some form of agenda within that we need to actually interact with each other we need to talk to each other, not not talk to each other, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely, it does. I mean, the scriptures tell us to be, you know, quick to hear and slow to speak. You know, and and, and in plain language, that's a way of saying you have two ears and one mouth. That means you need to be, uh, you listen twice as much as you speak. That's that's one of those old parental adages we were taught, right? We have a habit. You're absolutely right. We have a habit. And, and anybody with a teenager can understand exactly how this goes. Uh, you start to talk and they want to either interrupt or you can tell they're not listening. They want to get their point across fast. You know, that anybody with a teenager will tell you that's exactly what happens. You know, and then as parents, what do we do? We 
trying to shut them up so we can finish talking. There's very little <laughs> listening that happens. And as Christians, we run into the same problem. As you said, we're not listening to one another. Even if I utterly disagree. All right, I'm going to mention this conversation because it's the hot button topic. I do not want to discuss this topic, people. We're not going to discuss this at this time. The big hot button topic right now is Christian nationalism. There's been a lot of discussion uh, online between folks from G3 Ministries and some others like uh, Stephen Wolf, William Wolf, the two of them are not re related, um, and, and others. And there's a lot of back and forth. Now, some of those conversations are fruitful. Some of those conversations, um, you know, I, I, uh, I saw one between Scott Annual and uh, Chocolate Knox uh, from Cross Politic, and it's like they ended it really nicely. You know, it was like a, it was a great show of uh, of Christian behavior in that particular thread. But then there's a whole lot of other conversations on both sides. Okay, you know, mockery, meme throwing with which is like. Look, I'm sorry, if you post a meme of somebody putting on clown shoes and saying, oh, such and such ministry getting ready to start their day because they don't agree with Christian nationalism, or you're referring to uh, a, you know, a particular uh, you know, argument as just clownish, or you're calling you're, you're mocking someone, you're, you're, you're uh, telling that you're drawing into question whether or not uh, do they even believe the Bible or they just want to give things over to uh, such and such types of groups to run things? You're a pietist, whatever. There, there's not a discussion there and nor is there listening on both sides of this discussion, you know, this debate, and I don't even want to call it that, have been a lot of, you know, a lot of fire thrown and very little listening. All right. And if any of you have spent time on social media, have seen that, you understand what I'm talking about. That's just the latest. One of the reasons I stepped out of uh, podcasting very early on is I saw a lot of this, and it made me question whether or not I should be part of this. And it took a while before I caught myself back into those waters. I'll be honest, I, in a fit of des well, despair, I guess would be the be a better way, I did say some things recently on social media where I was ready to pull the plug again because I felt like no matter what we try to do with this show and, and with our writings and stuff like that, it's it's all just continues. It's the same argument over and over again, just a different title. And, and, and I, I acted probably a little bit childishly because I was so tired of it. And so that's also, by the way, not how you treat your brothers and sisters. Thankfully, some of you were very kind and kind of talked me off the ledge. Um, but we are not listening when we spend all our time throwing fire at one another and we're shooting our own camps up. It's kind of like the circular firing squad. You realize how well that works, right? You put the guy in the middle that you don't like and y'all shoot. Well, guess what? Y'all die. So <laughs> circular firing squads are not a great idea. And yet we do this. So we're, we're not listening. We're not loving our brethren well enough to listen to what they're saying, to hear and understand and digest it so we understand it rightly. Look, if it, the, one of the best ways for you to be able to respond to an argument you disagree with is to be able to understand it well enough that you could articulate it what they are actually saying. You want to know and, a topic and to be able to respond to it, te learn it well enough that you could teach it back. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. And you need to exercise some manners yes. when it comes to these discussions. Um, to cut off 
being cantankerous or or the other person misunderstanding that's one thing we need to keep in mind that we may understand what we're saying and think that it makes complete sense but we need to keep in mind that other person may not have that same view a lot of times and i've been really guilty of this is saying something or trying to convey something but in my head it sounds completely fine and it in my head, it comes across like I mean it to come across, mm-hmm. but someone else will read it, and it comes across a completely different way. That's something else we need to keep in mind, and for lack of a better way of putting it, we need to exercise some manners. You yes. know, That's kind of a thing of the past nowadays in real life and online both, You know, but it's not going to diminish your viewpoint if you tell someone, okay, that's that's interesting. Could you explain what you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Or I've never thought of it that way. Could you explain to me what you mean by that? That helps convey that you're not being argumentative. You're trying to understand where they're coming from and you're not intending on being argumentative. But in today's world, especially online, people are defensive right out of the chute. I mean, it's almost like the little example I did when Chris asked me, how was, how was I Mm -hmm. doing? And you and I both have had those type of responses from something very benign that we've posted. Someone comes screeching at us, what do you mean by that? La, 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 la. And then yep. they try to tell you what you mean by the words that you said. In other words, what they're saying is, this is how I took it. Yeah. I don't. You may not have meant it this way, but this is what it meant to me. But we need to keep in mind sometimes, especially dealing with true brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to admit to ourselves, okay, we not, may not have been quite as articulate and clever as we thought we were the way that we responded to a particular post or to a question that someone put towards us. We need to exercise some manners. We need to be willing to let the other person know, look, I'm not trying to argue with you. I just really don't understand your point of view. Could you please explain it to me? I need to understand so I understand where you're coming from. The other problem is, much of the world's attitude has drifted over and infected Christianity. And when I say Christianity, I mean true brothers and sisters in Christ. The world today, if you disagree with a liberal, if you disagree with certain alphabets and all these other things, their first response is, well, you disagree with me, so you hate me. Sadly, among professing Christians, that is their automatic defensive mechanism today. If you disagree with me, that means that you hate me or you hate what I'm saying. We need to throw that aside because that is not what the Bible teaches us to do, and that is not how the Bible teaches us to interact with one another. What do you think, brother? No, I absolutely agree with that. And I also agree there is an attitude very present in culture and very present within the Christian church of... If you don't agree with me, you hate me. You think there's something wrong with me. Uh, you think you know you're you're questioning my integrity or my 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 abilities, etc. And so we take it very personally. That that's one big issue is this whole idea of that we're taking it you know we're taking someone's disagreement personal, um, and we're all guilty of it. I've done it myself. I I'm not lay, uh, we're not laying this at ju- any one group of people. We often will take disagreement as though it's a personal affront to us in some capacity. 
And that is a really dangerous place to be for a Christian. We are called to, you know, speak with charity and with love to one another. You go back to um, Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, go to verse 29. He is commanding the Ephesians, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for, for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as Christ, God in Christ forgave you." This this attitude of the defenses are up, you know, it's like red alert, shields up. Uh, that's a Star Trek reference for Dr. White. Uh, <laughs> red alert, shields up, and we're ready for war. Why? Because somebody said something that disagreed with my, my position, and now I've taken it as a personal affront, as opposed to we are wrangling through this this, this important issue. Whether it's preferences, whether it's practice, whether it's a theological stance, we have gone into this, I am right, and anybody who disagrees with me is wrong, and they're attacking me in some capacity, or they're attacking a position I believe is absolutely 100% correct, and there can be no possibility that it's wrong. That's not starting from a position of being kind and tenderhearted and all, the, all of that. It is from that position of pride. And by the way, that's what that is, Rich. You and I would agree with this. If you start with red alert, shields up, you're starting from a position of pride because you cannot imagine that there's anything that you're wrong about. And again, I say this as somebody who's really good at that, okay? I've spent a good part of my life having to fight that battle. I And, and not, I've had to stop, especially, you know, okay, in, in, in the Christian home, raising your children, and you're trying to, to address something with your with your child. I mean, maybe they're a preteen, they're a teen. They're hitting that position of pushing the boundaries a little, pushing and, and being rebellious. And what do we do? We slam the fist down and say, this is the rules. And we're not listening. Maybe we're actually being unreasonable on something. And we're not listening to what they're saying, even though what they're doing is perhaps they're doing something wrong. Maybe they are dealing with issue of rebelliousness. But maybe it's because we are being unreasonable. And when we start from that position where I am just right on this issue, then we start from a position of pride. We're not start we're starting from a position of bitterness and wrath and anger. We're doing exactly what the scriptures tell us not to do. It doesn't mean, by the way, when it says to, you know, speak only that which is good for building up, that doesn't mean everything that comes out of my mouth is roses, sunshine, and rainbows and unicorns. It means that I may have to correct somebody. I may have to admonish or rebuke somebody. But that's a building up. Why? Because my intention is to bring that person back into right standing with the Lord. I don't come in with guns blazing because you're a terrible person and I'm here to correct you. Rather, it's a position of humility and of love to bring that person into correction. So we have a, a really bad habit all of us, of saying, especially with social media, where I'm right, you're wrong, my camp is right, your camp is wrong, and we may start with a conversation and we go into warfare because we don't put bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander aside. Let me just say that. 
those of you who are currently engaged in misrepresenting your brothers and sisters because you don't like the position they hold and you call them names and you talk about things that they have, they're accusing them of things they have not said or held to. That's called slander. Stop it right now. If you are saying things about, if you're mocking them, if you're misrepresenting them, if you're not listening to them and you're accusing them of things they have not said, you are slandering them and you need to stop. You need to repent. And I've seen a lot of that going on and it is heartbreaking. All right, that needs to stop now. How dare you slander your brothers and sisters in Christ because you don't like the position they hold. Because you just know this has to happen now and it's got to be this way or that position's wrong and it's got to end now and you are slandering or uh, slamming your brothers and sisters and you are acting with malice because how dare they hold that position. Knock it off. Some of you in certain camps are worse than others. I'm sorry. I know you may not like hearing that. Knock it off. You are being disrespectful to your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you are misrepresenting someone, if you refuse to hear them out, if you refuse to engage them honestly, and you misrepresent what they're saying, and you tell people, this is what this is, and you have not spoken the truth because you are too arrogant to, to listen, you are slandering and you are sinning. Knock it off. Rich? <clears throat> I'd like to share something I've, I read actually this week. And I really wasn't even reading it for this particular topic. I just happened to come across it. And it's a four four book set by Richard Baxter. Um, the link, a, a link to the a free PDF of all four books, will be in the show show notes. But this is from book four. It's called Christian Politics or Duties to Our Rulers and Neighbors. Like I said, it's by Richard Baxter and. What I came across, let's see here, it's on page 263 of book four in the PDF, and it's title two, Directions for Christian Conference Mid-Edifying Speech. Um, and I, I will not read the entire thing, but it's a short paragraph. Direct, directive one, the most necessary direction for a fruitful tongue is to get a well-furnished mind and a holy heart and to walk with God in holiness yourselves, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth will speak. That which you are fullest of is most ready to come forth. Spare for no study or labor to get understanding into things of God. It is a weariness to hear men talk foolishly of anything, but nowhere so much as about divine and heavenly things. A wise Christian instructed to the kingdom of God hath a treasury in his mind, out of which he can bring forth things new and old. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. I'm sorry, this is old English and I have trouble <laughs> reading it, but it goes on. Get all the holiness in yourselves to which you would persuade another. There is a strange communicating power in the course of nature for everything to produce its like. Learning and good utterance is very helpful, but it is holiness that is aptest to beget holiness in others. Words which proceed from the love of God and a truly heavenly mind do most powerfully tend 
to breed in others that love of God and heavenly, heavenly mindedness. Live in the practice of that which you would draw your neighbor to practice. A man that cometh warm from holy meditation or fervent prayer doth bring upon his heart a fullness of matter and an earnest desire and a fitness to communicate that good to others which he himself hath felt. Especially see that you soundly believe yourselves what you are to speak to others. He that hath secret infidelity at his heart and is himself unsatisfied, whether there be a heaven and a hell, and whether, I'm sorry, my note messed up here, whether sin be so bad and holiness so necessary as the scripture. In other words, if you're heavenly minded, your speech will be focused towards the things of above, not towards things below. Mm -hmm. You seek first the kingdom of God, and while you're seeking the kingdom of God, what you read, learn, and that holiness that you are conforming to is to come out in your speech. You know, we, we read in Scripture we are to be salt and light to the world. Sadly, most people today they think salt, they apply that towards being abrasive. In the context of that, salt is a preservative. Mm -hmm. and in the times that the Scriptures were written, salt was a mainstay. Salt was like refrigerators of today. Foods and meats were preserved with salt. Salt was a preservative. Light is the Word of God. We are to be, we are to preserve the true light of God and convey that in our speech and in our lives, and especially when interacting with other Christians, if this makes any sense, brother. No, absolutely. It makes every sense. And I think it's just one of those things where it's like, we have to be cognizant of why we're saying what we're saying. You know, if we're, if, if we do not start from a position of being informed by, it goes back to what Gabe said, lead your emotions, don't be led by them. How do we lead our emotions? As you said, you know, for reading from Richard Baxter, it's, it's being so heavenly minded. You know, pe people like to say, oh, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. I'm sorry, you're no earthly good if you're not heavenly minded. And so often we want to get in these discussions where, yes, it's important, but we have to make sure what are we? Why are we getting engaged? Why are we doing this? What is it? Is it bringing glory to God? That's our chief end, right? We're we're, we're to you know to love God and enjoy Him forever. We bring glory to His name. If your discussion can't bring glory to His name because you're more rooted in the things of this world than you are in the things of Christ, if you're not being heavenly minded in how you address these things. There's no possibility you're bringing him glory because now you're bringing the glory on yourself. I'm the one who's right. You're the one who's wrong. And so we, we just... I have a question. Yes. Do you think sometimes that we, t we think too much of ourselves, we don't know our own limits, and we don't know ourselves well enough to understand that there are times where we're trying to wade into waters too deep for us to swim in, meaning that we are trying to take up matters and discuss issues that we're not fully comprehensive of ourselves. meaning we don't fully understand ourselves, and we end up going into a debate or getting into an argument over things and issues that we truly don't understand ourselves. Um, I'm reminded of Psalm 131. I think I have it pulled up here. Um, and there are some great commentaries on that psalm. I would encourage 
if you're listening to this episode, I would encourage you to go look the commentaries up on Bible Hub. And I apologize. I thought I had it. I thought I had that pulled up. Give me just a quick second. Because I came across this the other day and was reading it. Okay, it's Psalm 131. I have calmed and quieted my soul. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Um, I posted some commentaries, and I posted that earlier this evening, but Barnes and I think it was Matthew Henry and Benson and Gill had some great commentary on that verse or on that Psalm 131 going into, let's see here, this is from Barnes, nor my eye, nor mine eyes lofty. I am conscious that I am not ambitious and inspiring as I am accused of being. What I have said is not the result of such a feeling, nor should such a charge be brought against me, neither do I exercise myself. Margin as in Hebrew walk, I do not walk about among such things. I do not pry into them. I do not meddle with them. What I have said or done is not, as has been said concerning me, the result of a meddlesome and inferior spirit. It may seem to be so. My, my own consciousness tells me it is not so. The interpretation put upon my conduct may be natural, but I am conscious to my actions. Um, and he goes on to explain that in great matters or things too high for me, meaning that I'm not trying to grab hold or swim in rivers too deep. I'm not trying to dwell on or discuss things that I don't understand myself. Um, and in Benson's commentary, I think this, and I apologize, I'm kind of rambling here. I think this is actually the one that I wanted to share. Um, in Benson's commentary on this, it says, lifted up with pride, lifted up with that pride of which I am accused as thou the searcher of all hearts, neither either to look with envy on those that are above me or with disdain on those that are below me. Where there is a proud heart, there is commonly a proud look. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters. Neither have I walked in great things. It neither is nor hath been my practice to attempt or arrogate to myself anything above my degree, place, and calling, or to affect worldly glory or domination, meaning like I tried to explain it, we're not wading out waters too deep for us to swim mm -hmm. in, meaning we're not trying to engage in conversations on matters that we don't truly understand ourselves. Um, there's a young man that I think we both follow on Twitter, and he's a rarity. He's in his lower 20s, and he admits he does not engage in some of these mm -hmm. conversations because he does not understand what it's all about. He doesn't understand both points of the matter. And this young man exhibits more maturity than most 50, 60 year old professing Christians that I've come across. He knows his limitations. He knows that it's not meant for him to jump into things that he has no idea what they mean. You use the example of Christian nationalism. Um, I don't know his thoughts or, or his ideas about that because he's not commented on it, but I'm just using that as an example. There are many of us that do not understand the term. We don't understand either point of view 
for whatever reason, we have not decided to jump over into it and study it and research it. So the wise thing to do would basically just keep our, be, keep our mouths shut and go on. You know, I, I, you used to get kind of laugh about this. I'd say we don't have to engage in every fight that we we're invited to, mm-hmm. and we sure don't have to engage in fights we're not invited to. Amen. And the same goes with conversations and discussions, especially if it's something we have no clue about to begin with. If any of this makes any sense. No, I absolutely, it, uh, uh, perfect sense. Look, I, I have watched a lot of discussions evolve. I, I, I'll use one because I'm still trying to understand it, and Dr. White will probably smack me for not understanding it, <laughs> is this whole debate over Thomas Aquinas. It was, it's a discussion I will not get into. Why? I've, I've never read a thing by the guy. I, I don't do philosophy studies. I'm, it's not my forte. And so far, I've read like half a book on the topic. So I'm starting to grasp some of it, but I've watched a lot of heat online uh, involving some of this. Now, (laughs) Julie's going to get some credit here. GMK Julie on Twitter, that was kind of like one of her fortes. She studied philosophy in, in college. She understands this debate better than I can ever hope for. And so when she's engaging with the, in discussions, I've actually been very, uh, very impressed with how she handles those issues because she's breaking it down for people like me who basically I'm the kid in the corner eating paste. When, when you start discussing Thomas Aquinas, my eyes glaze over. I hear Tweety Birds in the background and I go, huh? You know, because it's, it's outside my, my purview. So I'm not going to get into a, 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 a fired-up debate about it, but yet some of us, because we hold to this particular camp or that particular camp, and maybe it's the uh, Thomas Aquinas, side of the debate that says Thomas Aquinas is bad, well, he's explained it, and I think he understands it, so I'm going to be in his camp. Well, I don't see the problem with it, and you know these guys are okay with it, so I'm going to be in that camp. That's where a lot of us tend to be, on some of these debates. We haven't sat down and studied the issues out. We're responding to how others have articulated it. Maybe they've done a good job. Maybe they've not done such a good job. But how are we going to know if we haven't taken the time to study it? And so I think that position of, look, if I don't understand this debate and I don't have the time to go studying the debate... I can sit back and kind of watch the conversations unfold and maybe try to glean some knowledge, but do I need to be in the middle of the discussion? And I think some of us, we're very zealous. We have a little bit of knowledge, and so we go swinging a broadsword. <laughs> you know, We just come coming in hacking and slashing because we think we've understood enough, and we think the other guys are wrong, and so we're not getting in the middle of it and, and really learning what needs to be learned. We're not listening the way we need to listen. And so, like you say, is this a, is this an area where, Hey, I I'm, I'm expressing a lot of zeal without knowledge. I think sometimes that's true. Not all cases. I don't want anybody to listen to this and think, Oh, well, you just don't think I know anything. So you're telling me to be quiet. I know more than you think you might. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm saying that as Rich pointed out, there are many cases where we don't take the psalmist position. We don't go, I'm going to be silent because I don't know enough. We go, well, I'm with this camp. I'm going to get in the middle of that discussion. And to me, that's why. Why are we doing that? 
Well, I think my personal opinion, when I've been pulled in that direction, because it's happened to me, I want to be part of the crowd that I respect and admire. And I think I've understood what they said. So I'm zip, 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 and I'm jumping in. And I think that's part of it is we, it's kind of a mob mentality. We think we know something. We see our side going that direction. So we're just going to get in the middle of it. Um, I think that's dangerous. And I don't think we should be doing that. So to that end, this is, I think, maybe the final point, Rich, that we want to make because we wrap this up is if there is a time for us to be quiet because maybe we don't understand it, there's also a time for us to be quiet when we go, I think we've been as fruitful as we can with this conversation and it's pulling me in a direction I don't want to go because I don't want to sin against my brother. So it's time to back out of the conversation. And I'll tell you right now, that is almost impossible for a great many of us. We don't like to walk away because the other side has not yet conceded uh, defeat and they might still hold their position and others might think they're right and I didn't I need to keep refuting them. I'd like to summarize that. Yeah. In our pride, we always think we have to get the last word mm-hmm. in not realizing that we can walk away from a conversation at any point that just because we get the last word in or we get the last reply in doesn't automatically mean that we've won the argument, that we've won the debate. Sometimes the more mature, more, more wise thing to do is to simply say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to discuss this with you any further or just not reply at all. Just walk yeah. away. Or, or even being willing to say, hey, I think we've hashed this out as far as we can go. We both hold our positions. I appreciate your time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go now. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, like you say, we... we in our pride, um, we need to get that last word in. You know, it's it, my dad used to have this Sheltie, and she was the type. You know, she, she he'd tell her stop doing something, go sit down, quit barking, whatever. And she'd walk down the hall and she, you know, always got the last bark in. That's us. We're we're literally like, okay, I'm going to stop, but you know, one more, you know, one more thing to say before we go. And I, again, that goes back to our pride. We're more concerned about proving our brother or sister wrong than we are about showing love and kindness to our brethren on an issue where, again, we're not talking about, um, like, like you said at the beginning, work salvation. We're not talking about an issue of the Trinity. We're not talking about a serious theological issue where we're genuinely concerned about this person's walk. We're talking about we're hashing out important issues. Both of these can fall within orthodoxy. One might be a bit more problematic than the other, but I don't have to fear for my, my brother or sister's profession of faith. What, I, what I'm more concerned about is, well, you're just wrong. And so I, I, I'm afraid to walk away from the conversation because, number one, they haven't conceded defeat and come to my side. Number two, other people might listen to them, and I can't have that. That's not, you know, that's not coming together with our brothers and sisters and building them up and speaking that which is good in the moment. This is now it. No, we've, we've, we've just got to get to this so you confess that you're wrong. 
And I think that's that's really a, a really dangerous place to be because the longer that goes on, the more likely that's going to end up in a heated uh, place. And now we're going to start making accusations toward one another. And then we're going to start building up our camps. And now we're going to go to war and we're going to have these circular firing squads and we're all going to get, we're all going to slaughter each other. If we don't start with a place of humility that, number one, I don't know everything. Number two, that person might know things that I don't know. Number three, I haven't listened to their position well enough to be able to articulate it in the same way. And number four, I can't respond without getting into a place of, of hostility or anger or starting to slander or have malice toward my brethren. Then we, we've got to be able to say, I can't go there. It's either like, don't get involved at all. Or if you're in the middle of it, find a place, a place to step out. Because this, the, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you're going to be spending eternity with them. And, and you've got to remember, none of us are going to agree on everything. So why is it so important in that moment to declare victory? Why is it we maintain this? I, I, I had a conversation with a brother online one time. One of the things that I am concerned about that I see, and I, I have to do this for myself, is if this issue results in me constantly attacking my brethren and then finding ways to justify myself because, well, they're doing it, so I can do it. By the way, if somebody else is doing wrong, Find me a verse that says there's an exception to this rule about how you then treat them. If you can't find a verse that tells me, well, if they're misbehaving, I can misbehave too. Don't come to me with that, <laughs> please. Um, if it becomes a stumbling block, guess what? There's a whole lot of us talking through these issues. Maybe you don't need to be the one that discusses it. If it is a stumbling block for you, if you find yourself justifying your behavior because you just have to win this, this, this argument, maybe you need to step away altogether from that topic. Brothers and sisters, we have been debating theology since the birth of the church. And we will debate theology until God calls us all home into glory. At which time we'll all go, wow, I was really wrong on that. <laughs> at some point, we're all going to. If we cannot be humble in these discussions, and it, we are just led to further and further antagonistic, antagonistic attacks on our brethren, look, that, that's narcissistic. Because I'm more important than my brother is. I'm more important, and my knowledge of this topic and, and what I'm telling people to believe is more important than this, than, than my brother in Christ, who I am called to build up in the faith. Again, these, these are important topics. This is not a, 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 um, a discussion of, say, live and let live. I'm not, it, Rich and I in no way, shape, or form are calling on our brethren to not engage in theological debates at all or, or having important discussions at all and, and just, well, we can agree to disagree. There may be points where we have to do that, but 
have these discussions, have these debates with the mind that you are called to have humble and contrite hearts, to to esteem your brethren as, as better than yourself, to build them up and let no corrupting talk speech come from your mouth. You're not to tear down, you're to build up. And while there may be points of time where we take firm, powerful stances because the Word of God tells us to do so, and we we are genuinely concerned about a person's direction because they are, are, are compromising the Word of God and we have to bring correction, we still are doing so with what purpose in mind? To restore them in a right position with Christ. To restore them on the path that you know that leads to righteousness, right? So we're not there to win the argument because I'm the better person and I know more than you. We're there because we, if we're in that kind of discussion and we're bringing correction, rebuke, and all of that, it's to bring them in the right place, and that brings with it humility and love and you know, kindness and all of the, and compassionate hearts. So. Even when we have to take really firm stances and cannot compromise, all of that's still the motivation. If you're not motivated by that, it then it goes back to pride. And pride's a sin. So, uh, uh, Rich, as, as we, we wind this down and we're, we're letting folks get back to their get back to their busy days, what is what would you like to leave them with about these conversations? Well, remember, whether we're dealing with a true brother or sister in Christ or we're dealing with someone that is outside of Christ, we are given the ministry of reconciliation, Christ making his appeal through us. Sometimes that means making an appeal towards the sinner in professing and believing in Christ and coming to salvation in Christ and obeying Christ. Sometimes it's a matter of dealing with a brother or sister that's in sin and reconciling them to Christ. Mm -hmm. Because if a brother or sister is in sin and walking contrary to the Word of God, we are to call them back to the straight and narrow path. You know, the, the problem is we need to exercise wisdom, maturity, and discernment. There's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to these discussions, debates, arguments, discourses, or whatever label you want to put on it. The Word of God is our guiding line. The Word of God is our standard of truth. The Word of God is our authority to engage in these conversations. But the problem is, we need to make sure we're seeking to glorify Christ and not glorify our own egos. Amen. Amen. So hopefully this gives you a framework about how to address these conversations. It's really important that we start applying this because I, I, I hate to say it, we, we are in, again, yet another season, and this does happen quite a lot, where there is a lot of, uh, look, we're borderline anathematizing one another. If, if we can't figure out how to address these issues in a manner that is honoring to God and loving to our brothers and sisters, then we need to consider whether we should be involved in the conversation to begin with. And if you engage in that conversation and it starts heading in a bad direction, what does Scripture tell us to do? Well, if we're in sin, we are to what? Repent. If we are in temptation, what are we to do? Flee from it. If we are being led in a conversation that is heading in a very bad direction, 
get out. There is no shame in that. Your relationship with Christ, your seeking to honor and glorify him matters more than whether or not you prove that person incorrect. Your love for your brothers and sisters and how you interact with them. And by the way, this is not a this isn't a tone police argument because we have said we can take firm, passionate stances. We do that on this show all the time. Okay? You can take a firm and passionate stance. But when it evolves from that to I'm going to beat you into the ground to prove my point verbally. Hopefully not, not physically. That would be a whole other issue. Um, then you've gone from being firm and passionate to sin. We cannot sin for the sake of winning an argument. And I have seen on both sides, people of, of, of the latest argument, well, you're not correcting them. Why am I getting corrected? Because at the moment, you're the one being sh showing yourself to be a fool by acting sinfully. You don't get a pass because someone else sinned, okay? So if a brother or sister, by the way, if a brother or sister comes along and says, you guys are getting out of control, calm down, maybe be willing to listen. If someone messages you and says, I'm watching this conversation, brother, you need to stop. Don't get righteously uh, self-righteously indignant and not be willing to receive correction and we all do it i've done it myself and don't let somebody sway you by the way by saying well you're not willing to take a stance on this you're just fence riding no i'm just not getting in the middle of an argument i don't need to be in you don't need to be the voice for I love Rich, I, I still love that phrase. You do not need to show up to every fight you're invited to or the fight you're not invited to. There are plenty of people having these discussions. You don't need to add your voice to every one of them. Take these things into consideration because these are how we engage our brothers and sisters is as important as what we engage them on because we are commanded to treat one another in a certain fashion. So again, not talking about tone police, just talking about humility, kindness, compassionate hearts, loving, building up, edifying, not tearing down, not destroying, not letting corrupting speech come from our mouths. Hopefully this gives everybody a bit of a framework these are not the do's and don'ts. This is not a list of obey these rules and you'll have a fruitful conversation. This is us talking with our, our friends, our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ about what are some things I need to watch for? And hopefully that helps you. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for your patience for the last couple of weeks. By the way, Rich is, you know, said that the, the one book that he was referring to from Richard Baxter is on monergism. Saw this just before the show started. I don't know if everybody realizes this. Looks like it got posted earlier today. Monergism.com now has an ebook library app. We're not getting paid to say this. I just saw it and thought that was pretty cool. Uh, if you have a, uh, a, a, a Google type device, Android, couldn't think of the word, uh, an Android device or an Apple device, you can actually go on either Google Play or App Store and look for monergism ebook library app. 
and it gives you looks like really easy access to a great many of their um, theological books. Uh, in it says easy access to a growing collection of over 900 free biblical and theological ebooks in EPUB format. So if you have a iPad or some sort of Samsung device or something like that, uh, sounds like a really great way to get a free access to a lot of good, mostly I think mostly Puritan works. Although I know they got things like uh, uh, Spurgeon and J.C. Ryle and others on there too. So um, I highly recommend that. I, I'm going to put that on my phone and on my iPad. So, all right. Thank you guys. Really appreciate the time you've given us. Really appreciate that you continue to listen and be a part of the program. Please pray for us. And as I've said before, pray for our families. They have to put up with us. <laughs> and uh, they, they are so kind to give us the time to do this. Uh Pray for the show that it continues to be used by God for his purposes, to glorify his name and to edify the saints. And uh, since today is Saturday the 13th, tomorrow is the Lord's Day. Get yourself to church. Don't give me any excuses why. Short of legitimate things keeping you home, as some of our folks uh, are homebound, and we understand that. Other than that, get to church. Go worship the Lord with the body of Christ. Come under the uh, leadership of sound uh, elders in the faith. Come under their authority. Listen to them grow. Serve your local church. Folks, thank you for being with us. God bless you guys. We will see you next time.